You never have to listen to Dr. Anthony Fauci ever, ever again. It's over. You don't have to do it. You don't have to think about him. You don't have to worry about him. It doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter uh, how impassioned he says it. You're a phony. Hey, this guy's a great big phony. That might be a little extreme. But what he is is incapable of engaging a conversation that helps America. He just is in love with the sound of his own voice. And right now we're talking about masks and wearing masks till 2022. Now we're talking about the fact that, oh, you still can't dine out inside a restaurant. You know, I only order to go from local restaurants. No, no dining inside. What do you mean no dining inside? We've got a vaccine. We've got cases on the downslide. I have ER docs who write me just did an X number hour shift, not a single COVID case. It's on the downside. This this is good news. You got to stay vigilant. Fine. You can't have indoor dining is simply not true. That is a political statement, not a scientific one, and even Dr. Fauci must be aggressively challenged on the subject. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY, that's the number, 833-468-8669. Are you ready to go back to a restaurant? Let me know, 833-468-8669. I am. Now, where I am, you can also eat indoors in a great number of places. Cigar lounges I go to all the time. I'm not wearing a mask in a cigar lounge. I made this choice. I'm good to go. Restaurants should be at 100% occupancy. Now, if you say to me, Tony, that's too close. That's up to the restaurant to decide. We have made this great and grave mistake on this conversation because we're not having it honestly and accurately. You, the customer, the market, will let the restaurant know, the marketplace, what it is you are willing to accept and not accept, and they will move to accommodate. When coronavirus was first coming on and there was a conversation about, you know, how it was going to affect older people first, it was supermarkets in New York that started this. They said, you know what? We'll have special hours for people who are older. They can come in early. It'll be just their age group and that's it. And then we'll clean up and then we'll have everybody else. Costco said, you know what? We'll we'll place little markers down six feet apart and we'll line people up. And, and, and that's how we'll let them in the store. They didn't need any government interference whatsoever. It was unnecessary. The market figured it out. So when I say 100%, I am saying that no state government, no local government should be involved in getting in the way of a restaurant or a bar or any other type of business, by the way, including uh, uh, venues. The venue will decide what will make their customers feel most comfortable and therefore create the opportunity. Just like they do now. I feel the same way about this as I do about smoking. I am not a cigarette smoker. And me, I don't like being around cigarette smokers in in a restaurant. But if the restaurant or bar wants to have cigarette smoking, it's fine by me. I can make the choice not to go. When they are told by states you're not allowed to have smoking, that is wrong. That is an abuse of the state power. 
The state is not a marketing partner of this bar or this restaurant or this whatever venue. They should have no say in this whatsoever. They're also not a partner in any office building. You want to allow smoking as the owner of a business, you go right ahead and people can decide whether to show up or not or take that job or not. Freedom means just that. Personal responsibility. Letting people decide for themselves and then deal with the consequences for themselves. Don't tell me about smoking and, 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 and health issues. That's not the argument. Not an argument. A child's argument, maybe. The argument is whether or not the state has the right and the state shouldn't have the right. And it's, I know that it's not fought. Of course it should be fought. There's not a governor alive who's right about this. No, there's probably not a governor governor alive who's going to engage this fight. Don't get me wrong. But they, they ain't right. Every restaurant should be open 100%. And no one should be listening to Dr. Fauci. Because Dr. Fauci continues to move in a way that makes you say, what is he saying? If you tell me, like NBC put out a story the other day. It was yesterday. Yeah, you got vaccinated, but you're still not. You're still going to have to wear your mask. Wait, what? Why in the world would I still wear a mask if I got vaccinated? The whole reason I got vaccinated is so I didn't have to wear a mask. What a terrible bit of mess. Why even bother getting vaccinated if I still have to wear a mask? I still have to social distance this, that, and the other. What's the point? So weird. Well, Fauci's doing the same thing. And Fauci should not be listened to. But it's about the idea of, of really corrupting a conversation. I don't think there's anything wrong with wearing a mask. I don't believe there should be mandates from the state. I don't think there's anything wrong with a restaurant, a bar, a venue, uh, limiting the amount of people inside. I think there's an issue when the state does it. It is this manipulation of conversation that happens all the time. And the most recent uh, showing of this was a conversation on CNN between Chris Cuomo, Fredo himself. I, I don't have my Fredo sounder there, Ari. I'm sorry. Because I'm smart, not dumb. Why people say smart. That was a terrible Fredo, but good, good work on the fly. And it was a conversation between Chris Cuomo and Matt Schlapp. Now, Matt Schlapp is the head of the American Conservative Union. Uh, Matt Schlapp, uh, it was the guy who runs CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, where we will be broadcasting from Thursday and Friday down in Orlando. And the conversation starts innocently enough, if you will, and then devolves into a misunderstanding of the conversation as it was asked about. Let's bring in the chairman of CPAC, Matt Schlapp. Good to see you, Matt. Why is this the right move for CPAC um, to give Trump the platform, uh, which somewhat presents him as a future prospect? Well, I mean, the reason why uh, it's right for President Trump to be at CPAC is because he just spent four years uh, enacting the most conservative policy we've ever seen uh, from any president, certainly any Republican president. And 73 million Americans voted for him. Uh, they thought the policies helped make America strong. We weren't apologizing overseas. Uh, the forgotten men and women had great economic prospects. And, you know, he simply did what he said he was going to do. So why not have him speak? It seems to me that it makes perfect sense that he would come back and uh, and talk to his followers and faithful and uh, talk about what's going to happen in the future. Now, 
Never forget that 75 million people, I think Matt said 73 there, 75 million people voted for Donald Trump. Never, ever forget that number. That number is huge. And they aren't all, oh, forget this guy. That is far from the fact. Why would you invite Donald Trump? Well, because these are the reasons. And those were fine reasons. Chris Cuomo going for the spin. To make CPAC um, tacitly endorsing his election force. Well, I don't know what that means. Well, he lied about the election being a fraud and you having him there and giving him a platform seems to be your acknowledgement of the same. If you- That's an interesting twist. The perfectly understandable twist from a guy like Chris Cuomo. If you ever talk to Donald Trump, you are giving tacit endorsement to his statements. Now, it's not true at all. Not true at all. There's no doubt that Trump, he's speaking on Sunday at at CPAC. There's no doubt he's going to say the election was stolen. There's no doubt it's coming. Wait for it. But watch how this now turns into a conversation about the election. You have him on the platform, then you're saying, so yeah, we like what he says. Spend, I'd, love, I'd love you to look at our agenda. We're actually going to spend a lot of time going through what happened in these states. Uh, you said several things in the previous interview that simply aren't true. You said that uh, these states were simply following state law. I was in no, the state I didn't. of Nevada. That's simply not no, true. No, I didn't. Clark County, I didn't, I didn't say Clark that. County was not following state law. I didn't law. say that. What okay, I said well, was. What, what do you mean? I'll tell you. What I said was. It is not true that any state decided that it was doing something wrong and states get to decide and it was adjudicated. You just don't like that you lost in the state. You don't like that the Supreme Court refused to see any merit to your claims. You don't like that when you say people voted in places where they didn't live, the numbers were lower than you suggested and were found unimpressive to the court. You don't like those things, but those things are true. First. The idea, some courts said they didn't see merit. The Supreme Court didn't discuss merit. They decided not to hear the case, which is, of course, its own problem, whether we're talking about the Texas case or they're talking about Pennsylvania, etc. This now gets into a conversation about fraud. I don't. I don't like those things, but it's still very important that we go back to the idea of legal voting and people should be legally registered to vote in order to vote. That people, I don't think it's very controversial to say that people should vote one time. And when you're in the midst of a pandemic, yeah, but you don't have a significant number of people mail, who voted that more you than once. You shouldn't be able to vote in two states. It's not conceptual. That's not true. And it's not conceptual, though. Matt, I hear what you're saying. I've heard Chris, you say it a lot. because you win. I'm just saying it's just not true. Well, you had me. Wait, 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 wait. Of course it is true. If you're arguing that it wasn't enough to get uh, uh, Trump a a win or cause Trump a loss, you're de facto admitting that it's true. So why would you now say it's not true? This is a conversation about the fraud conversation, and it starts developing out in that way. Watching the irregularities that took place in states is different than saying these states committed a fraud. Did the state of Pennsylvania change the laws? Absolutely, they did. Is that in and of itself the problem? Yes, it is. The fact that the Supreme Court didn't hear the case is inconsequential to whether or not there was a problem. 
it is this this level of manipulation as opposed to dealing with the the the, the substance of the matter and it goes down this road you had me on that you had me on the show and you're telling me that saying that there was widespread illegal voting is false and i'm trying to explain to you that for instance what they did in the state of georgia when they had an illegal consent decree to buy to mind you not verify the signatures of mail and ballots which is what they also did in clark county essentially that means that you have no security on the ballot that was mailed out without unsolicited vast uh, mail-in ballots they were returned with no security you can't have an election in another country that the State Department would accept these types of ground rules. So we got to go you back have to voting no, in a legal and orderly Matt, manner. But Matt, you're making a straw man argument. It's a boogeyman argument. There is no proof of rampant fraud. Nobody's then saying the process that? is perfect. Notice how the goalposts have moved again. You asked about the problems. He's not even discussing fraud. He's discussing irregularities. He's discussing illegality. And there's Chris Cuomo going back to you have no proof of rampant fraud. So you mean I have some proof of fraud. So we're saying there is some bit of fraud. When guys like Fauci push this idea that you can't eat in a restaurant again, they're pushing the idea that government gets to make this call. Government should not make this call. Let the people make this call. And stop scaring people to death as you are and as, as NBC is. It's enough already. You want me to get worked up about the fact that 500,000 people have died from coronavirus. Everybody's worked up, except you won't talk to me about the comorbidities of those people who died. You won't actually break down the numbers. People died in a virus? You're right. Of course that can happen. I don't want it to happen, but of course it can happen. It's not a reason to say, see, this is why we have to continue making sure you restaurant don't open. Vaccines are necessary and then vaccines don't matter. You still have to wear a mask. You still have to stay six feet apart. You still have to keep the restaurant closed. That's a maddening proposition. Matt Schlapp is having a conversation about the legality issues in the elections. And what's Chris Cuomo's response? You don't have rampant fraud. Oh, that's not the subject. And by the way, did we forget this was about inviting Trump to CPAC? And now it devolved into a conversation about the election? Because nobody wants to have a conversation, it seems, about whether or not Trump's going to be effective in having this conversation. And maybe he's going to keep the support. His 75 million votes might grow so they move the subject and say you're guilty of i don't know what for having him there and allowing him to speak and then they move the conversation guys always remember what the focus is always remember when the people are trying to move you away from something move yourself back to it don't let them gaslight you for a second i'm tony katz You know, I usually save these kinds of stories for later, but this is just too good to pass up. Your car's seatbelt, safety miracle or decapitation nightmare? What is the connection between rain and farming? The answer may surprise you. Heroin, sex, machine guns, flamethrowers, murder. There's no story here. We've just found that ratings go up when we say those words. It's time for the worst headline of the day. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It comes from Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. 
Illinois lawmakers want to ban Grand Theft Auto amid spike in carjackings. <laughs> I, I don't know. Pour all the bourbon you want. That is as ridiculous. That's government. End of list. Thank you, Cleveland. Good night. This is a real, this is true. State uh, Representative Marcus Evans creating legislation to amend the 2012 law preventing some great games, including Grand Theft Auto, from being sold to children in Illinois. A former police officer was carjacked in his own driveway in the south suburbs. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty rough. These guys feel like they're going to get right back out, especially since they are juveniles. The ga- According to a DePaul University a psychology professor, the game could be the cause of the violence, but it's not the only factor. Well, thank goodness. It's the video game. We're, st- we're still doing this. We're still blaming the video game. Okay. What, what, how many things are we, are we now going to get into? Where is the personal responsibilities factor in all of these things? Of all the problems Illinois has, we were talking about uh, how Biden's COVID relief bill gives $350 billion to states and municipalities to help them through uh, coronavirus. It, it's bailout money. And they're going to be able to use that in Illinois as a way of uh, dealing with their pension issues. They have massive pension liabilities in Illinois. I mean, they're just huge. And they're going to take $350 billion that they get from your tax dollars, and they're going to put it into the mistakes that they made, the mistakes that they continue to make. That is not right. That is not right in the slightest. And we shouldn't bail them out. And instead of working on the big issues, you shouldn't be able to get Grand Theft Auto. No word yet on whether Bioshock is still available. Facebook Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz Today. Tiger Woods was in a one-car accident in Los Angeles. This according to Los Angeles County Sheriff's. It's, it happened this morning, but the news really uh, just breaking. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, according to Los Angeles County Sheriff's. At approximately 7.12 a.m., Los Angeles uh, Sheriff's Department responded to a single-vehicle rollover traffic collision on the border of Rolling Hills Estate and Rancho Palos Verdes, which I'm not 100% sure where that is. The vehicle was traveling northbound on Hawthorne Boulevard at Black Horse Road when it crashed. The vehicle sustained major damage. The driver and sole occupant was identified as PGA golfer Tiger Woods. Mr. Woods was extricated from the wreck with the jaws of life by Los Angeles County firefighters and paramedics, then transported to a local hospital by ambulance for his injuries. The traffic investigation is being conducted by investigators from LASD, the Sheriff's Department's Lomita Station. Now, do not speculate until there's something to talk about.
Uh, I at first I hope he's okay. I, I hope the man is, is okay. Uh, this this is now the story. It is your favorite sports station is going to be twenty four hours on this. And I, I, I must say, I, I must say, I only hope that were, there were none of the issues that people would immediately go to involved that could create a one-person car accident. You don't want this. You don't want this for anybody. Right? But when you're somebody as um, big as, as, uh, as Tiger... This thing is going to get looked at every which single way. So as we get more on that, I will I will share it with you. David Perdue is not running for Senate again in 2022. This is the Georgia race. So understand that in that race, it's so strange. All of that run and then the runoff only for two years. Only for two years. And then... They do it again. It's just how everything worked out. And the, you had the Johnny Isaacson, and then he got replaced, and, and how, how it all came to be. So Purdue is not going to run. He's saying it's a personal decision, not a political one. I don't know about that. I'm saying I don't believe him. I'm pretty sure it was a political one. I'm pretty sure he said, you know what? I've got some money. I don't need this. And I don't know what this party is all about. Move on. That's what I think is happening here. I think there's more story here than is, is, you know, that they're letting on. Now, who does it open up the door for in Georgia? Well, it could open the door for Kelly Leffler again. But Kelly Leffler has said she's starting an organization for voter registration and against voter fraud to counter Stacey Abrams. Got no problem there. Could open the door for Doug Collins. Doug Collins ran in that multi-person race against Kelly Leffler. She, he got the third uh, highest uh, vote total, and therefore wasn't you know did not run in the runoff. It was Kelly Leffler and Raphael Warnock. That's the way that one went. So now we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see how uh, that that comes to be. Who runs? What happens in Georgia? You know, part of the reason we're going down to CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, is to get the answer to this question of where's this party? Do we believe that it's just this massive amount of disarray? I, I don't know. My problem is, is that I'm not in disarray, and we have never been. We knew who Trump was, we knew uh, what we were getting, and we didn't let it freak us out. We understood that there were principles and underpinnings of conservatism, and those haven't changed. They have value because of, very often, their steadfastness in the ideas of personal responsibility, in the ideas of the proper role of government, in the ideas of being a, a textualist in the Constitution. These things matter greatly it matters that we're, uh, you know, saying, oh, we're not the people saying, oh, my goodness gracious, it's, it's a pandemic. We'll throw it all out the window and, and, and panic. No, 
That's everything we should not do. Everybody's yelling and screaming, panicking, freaking out. And and what are we doing? Raise a glass to freedom. Something they can never take away. No matter what they tell you. Raise a glass to the four of us. Tomorrow there'll be more of us. That's us. I mean, it's... the freaking out is, is not necessary for people who had an understanding of what they were doing. It's just like when you take a look at the voting uh, for, for Donald Trump. It was Trump or it was Hillary in 2016. Went with the odds. That's what you do. You deal with your reality. You go with the odds. What's the best chance you get for making things good? And it worked out pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Leads us to this. Washington Free Beacon, Wuhan lab kept NIH funding despite Trump crackdown. Federal records show the U.S. government partnering with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Even though the Trump administration said they were going to ban funding for the Chinese lab. The people who voted for Joe Biden voted to give money to the lab that may have leaked the virus. I knew what I was doing when I was voting just a few months ago. I knew what I was voting against. I was voting against the rank nonsensical weakness that is the Democratic Party on this subject. That is not to say I was all sorts of forgiving or blind to the issues that maybe a guy named Donald Trump provides. But on the policy, it was a winner. You're right. Joe Biden gets out there and he says some really nice things. and He's got that impassioned voice. and He goes, come on, Jack. But his policies are garbage. And they hurt the country. They hurt individuals. They hurt businesses. They hurt families. They hurt futures. Why would you want this stuff? I think it's, I think it's important to note. I think it's important to note these things. So when we're, we're going to CPAC just to see where, where everybody is. How is this all working out? Are people really in a level of anger? Or or, uh, is that just what they say? Let's go get some definitions. Now, as for Trump speaking at at CPAC, uh, so we're clear, he's going to say he's running in 2024, but he's not going to say it that way. Right? He's not going to say it uh, that way. Uh, He's going to say it as, you know... uh, you got you guys know I'm uh, I'm I'm the front runner. You know I, I decide I'm running. Boom! I'm the front runner. That's that's 75 million people voted for me. I'm the front runner. What do you think? You think I should run? You think I should run in 2024? What do you think, CPAC? You think I should run? Ah, you're you're great. You are good people. You know not everybody's good. That dour Mitch Mitch McConnell. Oh, <laughs> and that's how it's gonna go. By the way, I don't know if you've seen it. The pictures are out from Tiger's accident. The car is on its driver's side, and the entire front end of 
what looks like a Porsche SUV, but I could be wrong. Uh, it doesn't exist. The the entire wait that might be a Bentley SUV. It might be a Bentley Loner because there's some writing on it. Ari, I don't know if you could see it or not. Like it looks like the Bentley symbol, and on on the door on the passenger door is what it looks like. And that front end doesn't exist. It's gone. Um, I'm wondering if something now. It, it look, it looks does look like a loner in in my view. Tiger Woods was in a one car accident uh, early this morning. Jaws of life to extricate him. They said he went to the hospital with minor injuries. I'm taking a look at this thing, and I'm saying there there, there are no minor injuries there. I mean, the front end has gone to the front of the of the wheel of the tire. I mean, it's it it doesn't exist. It's gone. Rate of speed, no idea. No idea anything else that was going on here. But yeah, it doesn't exist. There's still the hood, right? That's up in the in the air, kind of. Everything else, not there. That story is is, is far from over. It's all we're going to be hearing about for at least 24 hours. I'm Fingers Malloy with the Bourbon Minute brought to you by the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. Well, the Whiskey Wash reports that recently two of Kentucky's six members of the U.S. House of Representatives, Democrat John Yarmuth and Republican Andy Barr, announced the renewal of the Congressional Bourbon Caucus. Started in 2009 by Yarmuth, the CBC is a bipartisan group within the House that advocates on behalf of the U.S. bourbon industry and helping to educate their fellow lawmakers on issues and regulations that are affecting distillers and distributors. The CBC was vital in passing the Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act. Without it, distillers would have been hit with a 400% increase in excise taxes. Bourbon, bringing people together. This was the Bourbon Minute brought to you by Eat, Drink, Smoke. It's your cigar bourbon foodie radio extravaganza. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform. Eat, drink, smoke. So Merrick Garland might be the next attorney general. He was the guy who Obama wanted to make a Supreme Court justice, and Mitch McConnell said, nah, it's not going to happen. Well, he is uh, getting uh, going through that review process. Will he be confirmed? And one of the questions he was asked was about transgender athletes in schools. Allowing biological males to compete in an all-female sport deprives women of the opportunity to participate fully and fairly in sports and is fundamentally unfair to female athletes. So that was Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana said, I'm going to make this statement. Tell me whether you agree or disagree. I'm, I'm not. I'm just curious about your your thoughts on the statement. Uh, not telling you you're right or wrong. Just make. Uh, just uh, answer uh, the question. The question again. Allowing biological males to compete in an all-female sport deprives women of the opportunity to participate fully and fairly in sports, and is fundamentally unfair to female athletes. 
Now, before we go anywhere else, of course, it's fundamentally unfair. It's it's absolute madness. And the people who are out there saying you have to let these boys who decide they're girls participate. And if you don't, you're bullying and you're anti-trans. I'm not going to let these girls sit there and be called anti-trans and be attacked. I am with those girls. And I think this fight is worthwhile. Not going to yell at these boys either. I'm just going to say because you made a decision. Doesn't mean these girls have to suffer. And your parents are wrong, and the people supporting you are wrong, and I'm going to help these girls with everything in me. How does Merrick Garland answer? This is a very difficult societal question that you're asking me here. I know what what underlies it. I know what you're going to be attorney general. Oh, but uh, I, I may not be the one who has to make policy decisions like that, but it's not that I'm adverse to it. Look, I think every human being should be treated with dignity and respect. Um, and I, that's an overriding sense of my own character, but an overriding sense of what the law uh, requires. Um, um, this, the particular uh, question of how Title IX applies in schools is one, and in light of the Bostock case, which I know, I know you're very familiar with, is something that I would have to look at um, uh, when I have a chance to do that. I've not had the chance to consider these kinds of issues in my uh, career so far. Translation. This Justice Department isn't going to fight to protect these girls. If you tell me that everybody has to be treated with dignity and respect, that is not an answer. That is a cop-out. The dignity and respect goes to the idea of no one should attack you and no one should be hurting you. It doesn't mean you get to run track or play soccer or basketball or anything else. It doesn't mean those things. That's not about dignity and respect. And if it is, I'm going with the girls. If you force me to make a decision, I've made it. But if we are going to discuss this in a more rational way, somebody making a decision should not have an effect on everybody else who has nothing to do with the decision. You're asking them to suffer. And no, 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 no. That is, that is a total lack of dignity and a total lack of respect. And we should push back on that aggressively and with focus. Oh, Merrick Garland. Uh, never mind that he's not even—he's not a fan of the Second Amendment. Uh, there, there's no room for Merrick Garland. Speaking of dignity and respect, enter Keith Olbermann, who is never, ever at a loss for saying something dopey. There's a story of a hockey player. He's for the Rangers, um, where his former coach in, in Russia alleges that he beat up an 18-year-old girl in Latvia in 2011. He's taken this, this player, uh, Panarin, has taken a leave of absence. Keith Olbermann, gotta say, he tweets, I lived my entire life with the stain of Russian heritage in my family. Then came their conspiracy to alter the 2016 election. A year later, they hacked my computer. But now they've attacked my boy Panarin, so I'll make it official. Blank you, Vladimir Putin. The stain of Russian heritage? What 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 is that? Do you think Russian heritage has anything to do with the Russian government? If it's a misinformation campaign, you think that has something to do with with Russian people?